Well, Zane had asked earlier, he uh, had, uh, during the, the joy bucket, um, uh, that is a time where we kind of, uh, you know, celebrate how we've heard God speak during the week. And I wanted to stand up, but I knew I'd get to stand up and I'd get to stand up for the rest of the service and tell you, um, but how God has spoken. The only reason you're going to hear the message that you're hearing today is because God gave me a different message. Just a little bit of the pilgrimage. Uh, if those of you following in the book of James, um, in James chapter four, we skip two verses and he had me skip two verses and there's a message on slander in those two verses, and I was thinking, yeah, this would be a great message on slander, and I studied, I've been ready all week, yesterday I went to go kind of put uh, the finishing touches, and God said, yeah, no, we're not doing those two verses, and I was like, okay, all right, so what are we doing, he said, starting James chapter 5, I'm like, all right, so I spent the entire day, my wife's working at a ball tournament, and I had the house all to myself, everything was quiet, it was all just kind of chill, so I spent the entire day studying the first 12 verses of James chapter 5 on, on if you're rich, man, do it right, if you're poor, God's going to even the score, I know that sounds so Dr. Seussish, but anyways, uh, man, I had, I had the message down, and I had different people, some of my prayer words praying for me through all of all of that, and I was ready, I was like, all right, and last night, I'm, you know, man, I had a, a, a hog leg cooking on the smoker, man, all day long, and which, by the way, there's pulled pork today in the fridge, ready to go. If anybody does want to come over, I'm going to be else over there, but uh, there's pulled pork sandwiches if you want, man, coleslaw, but just see me afterwards. All right, but anyways, man, great day. I'm studying, got everything down, and I get up at four o'clock this morning, and there was no peace about preaching that message, and I'm like, okay, so I go back. God, are you sure? God, all day yesterday, and we've got it, and he's like, no, and I'm just like, okay, cool. Well, that'll come sometime. And it wasn't a waste of time. God showed me awesome things. And, and at some point, we are going to get to James chapter 5. And I'm like, okay, so do I go back? And are we supposed to? I was just being obedient. Do we go back and do the one on slander that I wanted to do? You know, that's going to keep me out of trouble. And he's like, no, 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 I don't want to like awesome, we've got about three or four hours here, God, <laughs> and uh, uh, I got a few things to do, what am I preaching on this morning, and he starts speaking to my heart about the Lord's Supper, and I'm like, but God, you know, Gary's kind of sketch, usually we bring a, a paddleboard up here that's got these colors on it, we've got a bowl full of bread, and we've got, you know, we don't like just drink from a big cistern anymore, man, we got little cups, you know, but we never really did that, did we, Gary? But, you know, Gary's kind of sketch used to be even pre-Corona, man. You know, everybody reaching in and grabbing, you know, bread. And I'm like, God, I don't know how in the world we're going to do Lord's Supper. And here's what he put on my heart. He wants me to preach our normal outline in the Lord's Supper. And he, it, it, it's not that we're going to learn anything new, supposedly, today. That's not really the point of it. The point of the Lord's Supper is it's a time where God says, I want the church to come together and I want the church to kind of assess themselves. It's a time where we can, we can look back to see what he's done for us. If we haven't had time to look back because we've been so busy just looking around all scattered. It's a time he wants us to look back. It's a time he wants us to look forward to him coming again. It's a time where he says, I want you to check yourself out. I want you to look in. And it's a time that you look back, you look forward, you look in so that you can look around. And you realize why you're here. And... And so what God wants me to do today in preaching through the Lord's Supper and when we preach through all of this and what he put on my heart was Sturgill family. You know, he wants, I, he, I'm not your Holy Spirit, but he wants me to tell you to get good notes and go home and do the Lord's Supper at your house. Karen and John, to go home with your cat and your dog 
Invite your neighbors. Man, knock on the door and invite your neighbors and hold the Lord's Supper at your house. I want you to know it's not something that has to be done on a particular, you know, rigid schedule. He doesn't even tell us when to do it. He does tell us very specifically what to do. But, and it doesn't have to be done by deacons. It doesn't have to be done by elders. It doesn't have to be. It can be done by you and your small group. It can be done. He, Della Barraras, he wants me to tell you to have the Lord's Supper at your house. And, and, and same thing with Carswell's. If you can find a big enough house to have it at, have it, man. I know you come to church because this is the only place you... I mean, never mind. Y'all have big dinners. Listen, that's what he's wanting us to do. He wants us to go home. And if you're like, well, I don't want to have it by myself. Well, maybe he wants you to, but maybe pray and say, God, who do you want me to invite? God, who do you want to, to be a part of this with me? And, and, and I'll share with you all the qualifications and whatever that have to happen. But, but the bottom line is he wants us as believers to take times in our life where we look back to what he's done for us, look forward to him coming again, to look in and judge ourselves so nobody else has to, and to look around and be aware and be soul conscious of what's going on in this world and why we're here and we're here to help others see life from God's perspective. So as we go through this, I'm going to be going through it with our normal outline. So for those who haven't caught this yet, everybody grab your thumbs real quick. Quick worship aerobics real quick. All right, everybody say we're going to look back. Everybody say back, back. We're going to look forward. We're going to look in and we're going to look around. All right, you got it, Bob? Bob and Ann, let me see. Go ahead. Back. And around. All right, good. And since you're social distance with your family, all right, look back, look forward. Hey, man, may, uh, Terry, this is your chance to annoy your daughter next to you. Look around. Yeah, look around. And yeah, look back, look forward, look in so you can look around. That's what, and if you can remember that outline and you can look on this particular passage of scripture and um, man, I think you can pull this off. How many of y'all think you can pull Lord's Supper off at your house? Yeah. I want you to know it's not something that has to be done with all this rigidity. It does have to be done with respect. It has to be done right. And that's what we're going to cover is what really is right and what's wrong about it. So anyways, let's take a look. And so this is called, uh, in fact, it's called some places, it's called what? What's the first word there? Communion. Yeah. So if you two have communion, have y'all ever had communion? Now, I'm not talking about communion like, you know, Lord's Supper communion. What does it mean if you were communing with your husband? Yeah, you're talking, you're having interaction, communion. Hey, have you had communion with anybody? Yeah, what does it mean when you're having communion with somebody? You're just hanging out with them. You're communing. We live in a commune. You're hanging out, you're sharing, you're having an experience with them. And God has designed the Lord's Supper as a time for us to commune with him as a church body, as individuals, as a family, time for us to have communion with him in all of this. So that's really the way I'd like to look at it, is that it is communion with God. And that's what he wants us to have. It's a time, and again, there's no, nothing in scripture that says you gotta do it every week. Nothing in scripture says you gotta do it every day. You gotta, hey, does anybody know the last time we did it as Driftwood? Man, we've had a lot of things go on in, two, in two, uh, 2020, right? I looked back in my notes, and I have to tell you, the last time we did this at Driftwood was January 9th. 
So I was like, God, we just didn't. But, but that's a long time. And again, I'm not saying we we're wrong. God didn't put it on our heart. But I know today God put it on my heart for us to do this today. And we don't have the elements here. I want you to take what you learn and do it with your family. You can use grape juice. Dude, if, if you don't want to go to Walmart because it's too sketchy for you, go to Target. All right? Buy some grape juice. Go to Publix or whatever. I'm using get every, every time we do it, you're using ghetto Walmart. I go Saturday night and I get it, man. It's a grape juice. It's a symbol of the, of the blood of Jesus. Man, we go buy a dollar uh, loaf of bread at Walmart, at not, not the stuff with all the preservatives in the bread aisle, but the stuff that they actually bake. Man, we go get like a dollar Cuban bread, big old loaf, and we rip it all up. Terry, the band helps us out, and they're like pulling it off with their teeth and throwing it all in the bucket for y'all. No, I'm just joking. Actually, I think they use scissors now, don't they? And Yeah, all that stuff. But go, go get some bread. It doesn't matter. You want to be all authentic? Go bake yourself some unleavened bread. I can show you how to do that too. Take some taco shells, cut them in half. All it is is, is a symbol that is going to, show, to remind you of some super important things. What Jesus did, he turned the Passover meal into a, a very special event. In fact, through that Passover meal, he took the average meal and took it, turned, it into, turned it into something special. It even says in this, when he's talking to the Corinthians, he says, Whenever you eat, whenever you drink, think of these things. Man, what if we did this with every meal? What if we did this instead of, thank you, Jesus, for our food, amen? And we're just like, what if we really thought about this stuff? But it's all so we have communion with God. Hey, what would you say, uh, uh, it, what was Zane having with God when he was out there in the waves? He was having what? Communion. Yeah. How many of y'all have had some communion with God already? Yeah, you've talked to him. He's trying to put junk in our lives to cause us to talk to him. How many of y'all would say, God, I need you to put some more junk in my life so I can hear from you? Anybody? No? No? How many of you, God, I got enough junk in my life. I'm listening. <laughs> Anyone? Yeah. So he says, we're supposed to have communion with God. So the first thing is we're supposed to look back, look forward, look in, and we'll look around. Okay, you got that, Chris? So for your family, as a head of the household, all right, the one God's going to hold accountable. Now, both y'all are equal, just different and all that, but he's holding you accountable. You would have Lord's Supper in your house. What are the four ways you're going to look? Good, good. You got that. How many of y'all think you have that right now? You got it, Jack? You got it? All right, good, good. All right. So look back, look forward, look in, and look around. First thing we're supposed to do when we have the Lord's Supper is we're supposed to look back to what Jesus has done for us. And I'm going to take this out of 1 Corinthians chapter 11 which uh, he says he got it from the Lord, whether it was direct revelation straight from the Lord, whether it was from another, the apostles, uh, whether, you know, uh, he got it from Luke's gospel, but he got it from the Lord and saying, this is not an opinion. This is not just a social thing. You know, I'm telling you what the culture says about it. I got these instructions from the Lord of what to do. Now, the backdrop on Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 is this, or even 1 Corinthians period is this. That again, the Corinthians were always just like, hey, are we allowed to eat this? Are we allowed to go there? Hey, can we go there and not do this, but do this? Hey, can we do? And he's like, look, look, look. And I told you guys last week, in essence, he gives them four questions to ask themselves every time they want to do something. He said, ask and, and ask God, is this going to be helpful? Everybody say helpful. helpful. Yeah, is this going to be helpful? And, and, and as a believer, what's more important, others or ourselves? Others, because we love God, he causes us to love others, and it benefits us. So ask yourself, is it going to be helpful to others? Is it going to be helpful to me in helping us grow spiritually? He said, is it going to be hurtful? Everybody say hurtful. 
Yeah. Is it going to hurt somebody spiritually or is it going to hurt me? And then he says, ask yourself, is it going to be habit forming? Everybody say habit forming. Just remember it. Habit forming. That's addictive. Yeah. Is this going to cause me to allow something to have power over me, even if it's for a night, even if it's for a few hours? Have power over me so that if God wants to use me at that time, I can't be used. Is it going to be habit forming? Is it something that's going to take control over me where God can't have control? And the fourth question, he said, ask yourself, is it honoring to God? Everybody say honoring. Is it honoring to God? So we got helpful, hurtful, habit forming and honoring to God. He said, ask those questions. Quit asking me these silly questions about how long your hair needs to be, how short it needs to be. Do I need to wear a man bun? Do I, is that against God's rules? Whatever. He's like, look, just ask those four questions. And he said, and he's correcting the church in both letters. He says, and so in this particular chapter, he's, he starts off by talking about hair and so on and the culture and said, well, in this church, this is what they feel about it. So, dude, if you ask those questions, here's what we do. But he got to the Lord's Supper and he said, now you guys have messed this up. You're doing it for the wrong reason. And so what happened was when the early church came together, they most often ate together. How many of y'all like that? Man, you come together and you eat, right, Steve? Isn't that a good thing? That's what the church did. And there were rich believers and there were poor believers because many of the believers were poor because most of Rome was poor. Um, you know, the Roman Empire was poor when Jesus was around. And, and, and when you gave your life to Christ, you lost your family. You lost div- everything, you know, you lost your job, you lost your place in the economy because it wasn't a popular thing. The Jews hated you, the Romans hated you, all kind, it wasn't going on. So, so when they got to church, basically whoever had whatever, they brought it and everybody ate. But was, and they called it a love fest, <laughs> a love feast. It, it, doesn't that sound like a good word, mama? A love feast. Would you participate in a love feast? Yeah, not a love fest, but a love feast, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and so, you know, they would have this love feast where everybody bring food. But what started happening was the rich people said, well, you know, in our society, we, we eat better than the poor people. So it should be no different in church. So we're going to eat steak and we're going to toss you the bone, which for me, that's no problem, Terry. Dude, I can clean a bone. <laughs> All right. I got no qualms about that. You know, we'll, we'll take a, we'll eat high off the hog and you eat low off the hog. Good. I know how to cook that, too. I'm good. But that's what they were kind of doing was like starting a class war. And then it got to be where people were actually getting drunk at church because that was okay in the Corinthian society to come, you know, to anything else drunk. So let's come to church drunk. And they were having this party. And he says, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. You've messed up what the Lord's Supper is about. And we may not have messed it up the same way, but we may have some misconceptions. We may have messed it up with our traditions in some ways and made it something that it's not. Maybe we've made it a ritual. I don't know. But here's what he says to them as to what it's supposed to be for. He said, first, I want you to look back what Jesus has done for you. He says, I pass on to you what I received from the from who himself on the night when he was betrayed. The Lord Jesus took some bread. So on the night when he was what betrayed, what does it mean? Hey, Nate, what does it mean to be betrayed? Yeah, yeah. He he not only was crucified by uh, just a, a you know, uh, an ungodly nation, but he was turned over by a good friend. Man, how many of y'all would like, you know, if you were, you were in this deal with God and then somebody just stabbed you in the back, that'd be it. I'm done. <laughs> I'm not going anymore. God, I can't believe you let this happen to me. But I want you to understand, we skip that over sometimes. One of the things Jesus did was he was betrayed by a close friend, Judas. 
He was betrayed by Judas and he kept going, man. Hey, why did he keep going to the cross? Anybody know? Destiny, why did he keep going to the cross? Why didn't he just quit after he got betrayed and said, I'm sorry, I'm butthurt. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, I'm, am I allowed to say that in church? I'm, no, okay, never mind. <laughs> Retract that statement. But uh, I'm all hurt and I'm all upset and everybody, you know, well, why didn't he just quit? Because what? God wanted him to keep going. And what was his motivation for you? Yeah, save you from your sins because he loves you. Man, everyone could have betrayed him and he would have kept going because he loved you. Would he have done it just for you? Yeah, the Bible tells us that. He did it for everyone, but he did it for you specifically. He did it for me, you know? So he says, right, he starts off by saying, I want you to miss that part. On the night when he was betrayed, Man, how many of y'all would have quit after being betrayed? How many of y'all ever quit, left a church, left a ministry, left a, left a, a, a situation because I was betrayed? Anybody ever? I mean, yeah. I've seen people leave for worse than that. The pastor said butthurt in church. No, I'm just joking. But probably. I'm just, I did it again, didn't I, Terry? Anyways, all right. Not as bad. Okay. I was, all right. The Lord Jesus, he took some bread. So... On the night when he's he took some bread. This was a normal meal, but this happened to be the Passover meal. And he turns this meal into something really brand new and special. He changes what God had been doing for, forever on this since, since the Exodus. And look what it says. It gave thanks to God for it. Any of y'all ever heard the word Eucharist? Anybody heard the word Eucharist? That word means thanks. That's the actual phrase right here for give thanks. It's Eucharist. And uh, so he Eucharist to God for it. He gave thanks to God for that. Do you ever notice that in Jesus' prayers? Callaway, that's what he does. What's the first thing he does, man? He's got a couple of little fish, a couple of little crackers, a bunch of people to feed. What's the first thing he does? Gives thanks. Yeah, for whatever he's got, gives thanks. And whatever, what happens when he gives thanks? Yeah, good things happen. He's got enough. Yeah. And, and so he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces. And he said, this is my body. And there were great theologians from Calvin to, um, dude, I don't even, for all the theologians you can ever imagine who have argued, and there are people that believe in the transubstantiation uh, doctrine of that, where actually it becomes literally the body and blood of Christ, um, to people that believe, well, it, 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 anyways, I'm just going to tell you where I'm at. Where I'm at with this is that when, he break, when we take this bread in communion, it reminds me of what he did for me in his body. It reminds me that he took his sinless body and, and it, it was broken for us so that he could go to the cross and he could die a death that, and, and, and be sinless and pay for my sins. It says, then he broke it in peace, said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in what? If we're doing it in remembrance, which way are we looking? Back. Do this in, in remembrance of me. Hey, so what do you guys think about? What do you think about? What, do you, what comes to mind when you think about Jesus giving his body for you? Gary, what comes to mind when, when you think, for right off the bat, he gave his body for you? Well, on the night when he was betrayed, from the time he was betrayed and went through six illegal trials, was beat beyond recognition, uh, nailed to the cross, I mean, spit on, all these things. What, what comes to mind when you think of him being given his sacrifice yeah and you know what Sac yeah sacrifice and it was all out and he didn't quit how many times could he have quit i mean 
Think about this. First of all, um, he's he's in the Lord's Supper at night and he's here. And what did he want to do with his family? He's got his he's got all his disciples here and he knows he's getting ready to be separated from God for the first time in eternity. And he just wanted to hang out with them, right? He wanted to hang out. But what were they doing? Do you guys remember? Anybody remember what they were doing on that night? Yeah, they're like, they still didn't get it. And they're trying to think of who's the most important in the kingdom. Who's going to, who's going to be like your right hand man as a king? Who's all they were talking about is, and he's like, don't you care? And then they went to the garden and he went there to pray and he wanted some friends to pray with him. Anybody ever have some friends you want to pray with you and somebody to pray with you? And, and, and what did his friends do? They slept, they kept sleeping. And finally, Jesus was like, dude, you better wake up and just pray for yourself, <laughs> Because Satan wants you, Peter, you know. And, and then they came, and, and how did Judas even betray him? Oh, yeah, dude, a kiss. Would that, how many of y'all would have lost it right there? Vicky, they're coming to betray you, and they act like, oh, hey, Vicky, my best friend. <laughs> dude, if I was Jesus, I would have punched him in the face with a holy lightning bolt. I'm just saying. Be glad I'm not God. I'm not Jesus. But dude, he's kept his eyes focused on the mission. And the mission was who? Everybody say me. The mission was who? Me. Yeah. He didn't quit. How many of y'all would have quit already? Yeah. And we didn't even get to the illegal trials. Oh, no. You did not just accuse. Uh, you know, we go to trial. And, and here it's, it's, a hung, it's, it's a messed up trial. They bring in witnesses to the lie. They can't even get their testimony straight. And they keep accusing him and bringing him back and forth. And, and they take him to what? Herod, and uh, he wants to see a magic show. There was a pilot, one of the two, wants to see a magic show. You know, they're like, oh, if you're the king, really do this. You know, all these things. Uh, man, what else? What else comes to mind? What happened first thing in the morning? Where, they took him where? They took him to the praetorium. They took him to the place where uh, the soldiers, the, the soldiers' uh, gymnasium, if you will, their locker room. And what did they do with his clothes when they took him into the gymnasium? What did they do with his clothes when they took him into the locker room? They ripped their clothes off. How many of y'all would be ticked off and say, I've had enough if they threw you in the locker room with a bunch of Roman soldiers naked? I'm done. And then, if that's not enough, they're making fun of you. And if that's not enough, they're, they're, they're spitting on you. If that's not what they do with the crown of thorns? Anybody ever bust your forehead open? Any, what happens when you bust your forehead? Dude, it bleeds like crazy. Man, you have blood running in your eyes. You haven't slept all night. How many of y'all would have quit? So, did he quit? No. Why didn't he quit? Because who? Me. He didn't quit. That's what I'm just thinking physically he did. You know, they, they took him and they beat him with a cat of nine tails. How many times they hit him? 39 times with a cat of nine tails. And on this cat of nine tails, it was leather, had like glass, had like metal, had rocks, sharp things. And the guy who actually was the guy in charge, the cat of nine tails guy, dude, he was an expert at this. This was his only job. And he would take it and he would hit somebody and all nine things would stick in somebody's back. And did he walk up and say, oh, sorry about that. Let me pull these out. No, you know what he did. He ripped them down and shredded the back after one time. How many of y'all would have quit after one hit? If you could have called the angels of heaven to come down and say enough's enough. Anybody here would have quit? Honestly, would you quit? 
Who would say, I'm quitting? I'm done. I'm out. Tap out. God, these people aren't even going to receive me. In fact, in 2020, they're going to say that I'm a nutcase. They're going to they're, they're, they're persecute. No, he didn't quit. And so nine times, nine, those nine things is stuck in his back 40 or 39 times. Somebody do the math. 39 times nine. What is that? Come on, don't have any math whizzes here. Tom, help me out. Calculator whizzes. Come on. Those of you with iPhones. <laughs> Siri, what is 39 times nine? 351. Can you imagine 351 times something hitting your back, sticking in, and it being ripped out? They say most people died from that. They say most, because what's in the back here? Other, other than your ribs, man, what's in the back? There's nothing to hold. People's guts fell out, and they died from that. Jesus was no wimpy dude, man, and he had to finish the mission that he, that he came to start or to came, he came to, to do. And so he's ripped open. And then what? remember they took that cloak, like a burlap sack, and they put it all over his back. Anybody ever, Bri, where's Bree? Bree, have you ever been sunburned really bad? I'm going to be picking on you because I've seen you sunburned. Can you imagine being sunburned like that and somebody putting a burlap, scratchy burlap sack on you? Would you quit? Would you say Tapping out, enough's enough. No. Why didn't he quit? Because of who, Nate? Me. Yeah. Why didn't he quit, guys? Because me. me. He kept going. They nailed him to the cross. And, and on that cross, man, people making fun. The very people the week before who were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, save us, save us now. What were they saying now? Crucify him. Yeah, dude, we'll, we'll take Barabbas. We'll take the dude who started the whole big revolution and the guy who's, you know, yeah, scoundrel. We'll take him over you because you didn't save us. You didn't do what we wanted you to do. And, and, and so they nail him to the cross. How many of y'all know what people died of on the cross generally? Uh, yeah, they died of suffocation or fixation and dehydration. Because as you're out there, and in fact, it was like, you know, from... from you know, he was out there till, till noon or whatever, and uh, even longer. And, and so here he is on the cross. And as you fall down like this, your diaphragm suffocates. It strangles your lungs. So as you come down and, and you lose breath, it's like an anaconda. It's like a boa constrictor. Your diaphragm hurts. It, it, it just constricts your lungs. And the only way to get air back in your lungs is to do what, Dustin? Pull yourself back up. But you're nailed there. And so, so man, what's that got to feel like being pulled back up again? How often would you need a breath to be able to do that? How long would you hold your breath before you pulled yourself back up again? And then go back down. That's why they broke people's legs so they couldn't do it anymore and to put them out of their misery. And we have this picture that it was way up here on a hill, way up high where you, people looked up and almost had to have binoculars to see it. But you know, Bob... When they crucified people, they crucified him at eye level. Everybody walked by, and can you imagine what his face would have looked like? Can you even imagine what his face would have looked like, the agony of somebody going through all of that? Why did he keep going, Jack? Yeah. Who did he do it for? Yeah. And, and Grandma Jean is in heaven right now, man, and will be celebrating her life tomorrow, man. But yeah, at any time, he could have called down. He could have called down, man, called, called down angels and gotten delivered from all this, but he didn't quit. 
At one point, God threw on him, according to Isaiah, God dumped the entire sins of the world on him. All the past, present, and future sins for like three hours. I don't even know how that's possible. We get to heaven, he'll tell us how it's all about. But at that point, man, that was the first time he was ever separated from God the Father. And how long? Forever. Any of y'all ever remember being separated as a little kid? Getting lost? Anybody ever get lost? Yeah. Dude, I can remember back in Orlando. I was growing up in Orlando. And how many of y'all knew, remember a store named Monkey Wards? Montgomery Wards? Anybody remember that? We called it Monkey Wards. Dude, it was huge. It had a huge... This, I, I'm just telling you where I'm coming from on this because this was my greatest fear of being lost. The, the time I was more lost than anything. I'm a little kid and we're in Monkey Wards. And my dad liked looking at baseball and that kind of stuff. And I was good there. But I went over to the fish and hunting section, man. And I'm over there just lost in it. And all of a sudden... I look and I don't see anyone. And I run to the baseball aisle and I didn't see them. I run over to where my mom, because they were all looking for me. But I'm just like, help, I'm lost. I remember being lost in monkey wards, man. And that terrified me. Anybody ever been terrified because you were lost? You ever, where you can't find somebody that you're looking for? You ever been terrified? No, you probably haven't been. (laughs) No, you never care. You're like, dude, I finally got some peace and quiet. No, I'm like, no. You guys ever been scared? Yeah. But at that point, he was separated from God the Father for the first time in eternity, you know? And, and, and when he was done, he said, it's done, and he went to heaven. Anybody, so let me ask you a question. What do you guys think of? Who would tell me, what do you think of when you look back to what he did for you? Help me out, anybody? I'm not worthy. You're not worthy? You weren't until he said you were. Yeah, you didn't do anything to earn that. Chris, what do you think of when you think of looking back? If a minute I tell you guys, close your eyes and and think back to what he did for you, where you came from, where you are, and where you're going. You know, that's your testimony, where you were, where you are, and where you're going. Yeah, where I came from, the testimony. Steve, how about you? What do you think of? If I had close your eyes and think about him, you know, looking back to what he did for you, what would you think? Would you right now just take a minute and ask the Holy Spirit, say, Holy Spirit, why should I be grateful for what Jesus did for me? And see what he might say to you. Look back up here real quick. How many of y'all got something? He, he, he said something to you. He showed you something. Anybody? Anybody get anything? Cool. I'm not throwing a pick on you, but yeah, you saw something cool. <laughs> you and me both, sister. Yeah. That's what Zane was talking about, man. Ask God to speak. And ask the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, man, what if every time we had a meal, we looked back at what he did for us? We just asked God to, to show us Man, Jesus, what does it mean for, for what you to look back and, and remember what you did for me? And I guarantee you, he'll show you something every single time. So the first way we look back is we look where? We look back. All right, so we can't stay here all day. We can, but um, look what he says. He goes on, he says, he gave it thanks. Then he broke it in pieces, said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with his blood. The old covenant with Moses was confirmed by what? By what? Okay, animal sacrifices and blood, and it was dependent upon their behavior. How many of y'all would still be in a covenant with God if it was dependent upon your behavior? <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm out a long time ago. But the fact is, is that Chris, when, when, when I gave my life to him, how much of my sins were forgiven? My past, my present, and my future sins are all forgiven. And when he looks, uh, that's what he makes me righteous at that point. I have a new covenant, and it's, it, the covenant was signed with whose blood? His blood. So how long does that covenant last for? Forever. So can you ever lose that covenant? Is it based on you at all? No, it's based on him. And so you can never lose that. Now, when he does correct us later on in here, it's not as a judge sending someone to jail. It's more like a loving father correcting and disciplining a child. How many of y'all have been disciplined by a parent before? Yeah. And it's different. So you've been disciplined by a parent before? Was there, who disciplined you? Yeah, yeah, okay, so, so is there anything you could ever do to not be your mother's daughter? Nothing. You couldn't do anything? There's nothing so wretched, so bad you could ever do to not be your mother's daughter? No. But she brought you in this world, she can take you out. I'm just saying is that there's discipline. And so, so the fact is, is that we, we are eternally saved, but, but at the same time, he, as a parent, we're going to see, wants to discipline us and wants us to represent him. So in the same way, he took this cup. In this cup, it's a new covenant made with his blood. Nobody can mess that up, not even you. And, um, and so God and uh, his people, it was an agreement confirmed with his blood. And so he goes on to say, do this in what? As often you drink it. What if every time you ate, you said, God... Why should I be grateful for what you did to me, for me? And you let him speak. What if every time you took a drink, you remember and say, say, God, why should I be grateful for this new covenant? Man, what, that's kind of what it's about, is continually coming to him, having communion. Hey, when you're grateful, everything is what? Great. Did you notice that? When you're grateful, everything's great. And so, man, that, that was what I heard from most of you guys. What do you think of when you think back to him, what he did for you? I'm grateful. That's what I heard from us, everyone. And he wants us when we eat and we drink to be grateful. So uh, in your own families, do you think that you could have a time where you have communion and you look back? How many of y'all think you can pull that off? Yeah. And it's amazing to hear what people in your families will say. And I learn more from my kids than I learn from books. I learn more from my kids and their responses than, so, than my own thoughts. And so, so often it's awesome. That's what happens even in our small groups. So he says, do this in remembrance of me as oft as you drink it. So if your dad has a uh, Lord's Supper, you guys, you're not going to leave him hanging, right, Selma? Like Jules, you're not going to leave him hanging. You're going to talk, right? Selma, I already know you will, right? You probably got a whole book of things you're going to share with him, right? You know, and that's awesome how God made you. Yeah. But do you think you guys could do this? Do you think you could have a Lord's Supper and, 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 and think back to what Jesus did for you? You think that'd be a cool thing to do? Or would it be like the stupidest thing ever? It'd be really cool, yeah. Sometimes the devil wants us to think, God, that's kind of stupid, I can't do this. I'm telling you, you can do it. You have an intimacy with God and you see the intimacy he brings among other people when you do that. So we look back to see what he did for us. Now we look what way? 
forward to his return. Look at this next part. He says, every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until when? Hey, so is Jesus coming back? Yeah. Do we know when he's coming back? No, I wish I did, but it probably wouldn't be good. But he, we know he's coming back. It's imminent. It is it's a done deal. It's not a matter of if, it's when. And, and uh, so, so it's going to happen. How many of y'all would be pretty stoked if it happened right now? You're like, yeah, because I'm really hungry and thirsty. and We're going to have a great meal in heaven. And he's like going on and on. Yeah, right. <laughs> he's going to come back. And people ask all the time, do you think we're in the end days? And absolutely, yes. And I'll tell you what the end days are. The end days, the end times, in, in, when Jesus was talking about the end times, the way it's written is from the time that Jesus wrote, uh, ascended to heaven until he comes back again. So we are in the end time. This is the last time. This is the last time period. All of us have been in it our whole life. All the New Testament saints were in it their whole life. And so are we closer than they were to Jesus coming back? Are we closer today than we were yesterday? Is there anything that has to happen prophetically for Jesus to come back right now? You understand there's nothing. He could come back. And in fact, this is what he says. He says, man, everyone's like, what are the signs? What are the signs? And you can go and look. He's like, yeah, it's going to be like the clouds. You'll see the clouds coming. You know it's going to rain. Yeah, man, you're, you know, it's, it, there's, there's, there's stuff that's going to happen. There's going to be earthquakes. There's going to be, there's going to be wars, rumors of wars, all these things. And they're going to get worse and worse and worse. He said they're like labor pains. How many of y'all ever went through labor pains? Anybody? You went through labor pains. Do you remember them? Yeah, dude, uh, we try to help you out. I remember helping my wife out with my first uh, Ashley and, and yeah, they got that little monitor, right? You know, and I'm like, oh, honey, guess what? A, a contraction's coming. <laughs> I didn't realize, I didn't realize that machine was about 10 days too late. <laughs> I, my wife, oh no, you know, and, uh, uh, but, but you know what I noticed about those contractions? What, what, what are two things we know about contractions in labor pains? They get what? They get stronger yeah, and they get what? Closer together. So all these signs, he said, they're like labor pains. They're going to get closer, and they're going to get stronger until the delivery happens. Now, let me ask you a question. What's the purpose of labor pains? To let you know what? Yeah, baby's coming. Jason, do you remember? Did I just call you the wrong name again? No, I got it, right? You looked at me like... Did, did, did you remember your wife going into labor? Yeah, and when the... Uh, how many of you guys remember your wife going into labor? You were there. And when the water broke, when it all happened... What are you raising your hand for, dude? And, and water breaks. It's like, oh, yeah, it's time to go build a shed. It's time to... Hey, why don't we go make some pancakes right now? Why don't we go... Is that what you're doing when the water breaks? No. What happens when the water breaks? What is the guy doing? Oh my goodness, oh my, what is the woman doing? Oh my goodness, what are you doing when that labor starts? What, what is your focus now? The baby, the delivery. It's not time to go out and till the garden, Jack. All right, or, or well, Destiny, you might have to wait. My, my, my gator tag's going to be up in about three hours. So when I get back, it'll, no, dude, you're flying home. Can you imagine if there were no labor pains, guys? Can you imagine, here it is, you're walking through Walmart or Target, whoever you are, and, and you're pregnant, and all of a sudden it's time for delivery, and there's no labor pain. If you have labor pains in Walmart, Target, or wherever, guess what happens? If you have labor pains, what do you do? <gasps> you get focused on it. What if you don't have any labor pains? You're just walking around. It's like, like I was in Haiti one time, and I'm walking down a path, and all of a sudden I see goats popping out. 
I'm like, no way. Literally, I'm walking down and there were goats popping out. And I'm like, did the mom not know that? <laughs> I guess that's just their kind of little way of delivering. But literally, if there were no labor pains, you'd just be walking like, oh, dude, there's what? Oh, there's baby, you know. Or, hey, let me use a shopping cart for a minute. And I know there's no cup holders for my feet, but, you know. But literally, the labor pains make us awake. They wake us up to the fact that something important is getting ready to happen that's going to require all of your attention. The baby's going to be delivered. So Jesus compared the signs of the times to labor pains. It's to, how many of you would say the world is groaning and there are labor pains that are indicating that the birth, which is his coming back, is imminent? Anybody seen them? Anybody experienced them? Yeah, they're there. And so the same way that a parent would totally focus on the birth now and being prepared and do everything there, the church is supposed to be focused on his return. Amen? We're supposed to be focused on his return. We're and, and what does that look like? That means we sell out our everything to him. Everything we know about ourselves is dedicated to everything we know about him. And it's a continual learning process. And as we love him, he causes us to love who? Others. And we tell them about this. If you see the labor pains, you see that it's imminent that he's coming. It may not be in your lifetime. It could be. More conservative scholars than ever believe that it's coming and it's coming soon. Man, and that would be awesome. But. If we know that it's coming, what is our job? What are we supposed to be doing? Yeah, we're supposed to be making disciples. We're not supposed to be getting distracted over all kinds of other things. You know, even if our gator tag's just about to be up or tomorrow. Well, honey, you know, I've been waiting for three years for this uh, to be able to go hunt this property. Can that baby wait? Can you hold it? <laughs> no, no. We're focused on what we're supposed to be focused on at that point in time. And I know Jack wouldn't do it. Jack would probably be the idiot with the four-wheel drive, not even driving on roads, man. He's cutting through whole subdivisions to get you to the hospital, right? Because he's got a four-wheel drive that can do it, right? Yeah, the fast lane. But seriously, church, look what it says. Every time you eat this bread, drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until what? He comes again. How many of y'all are looking forward to him coming back? How many of y'all looking forward to being with him? Hey, bro, good to see you guys. Y'all visiting again every week, every year, man. For, uh, hey, so what are you looking most forward to about him coming back? Yeah, because yeah, when you're with him this time, next time, there's no flesh to get in the way. Now, dude, it's just, it's, can you even, what would happen right now if Jesus in his full glory stood right in front of you? Yeah, you would die. I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> yeah, you, you couldn't handle it. But no, but can you? Yeah, like all the other guys trying to explain it, like in the book of Revelation, John and everything. But literally, you will be able to handle him in his full glory when he comes back, when you are changed. Can you imagine being in his presence? How many of y'all have ever had a glimpse of God? Like you saw a sunrise, like, oh, that's God. How many of you ever had God reveal himself to you in something just so undeniable? Can you imagine experiencing that for eternity? That's what it's going to be like the minute we are with him and we're out of these bodies. 
Nate, what are you looking forward to in, being, in, in, in coming back? Yeah. What are you looking forward to in heaven? Okay, everything. Good answer. Anyone else? Chris, what are you looking forward to? Peace. Yeah. And that peace is going to be how long? And nothing's ever going to get in the way. Can you even imagine that? Destiny, what are you looking forward to in heaven? Hanging out with Jesus. Dude, how many of y'all are looking forward to hanging out with some of the Bible characters like Moses and all them guys? Do you know you're equals with those guys because you're saved the same way he was? Yeah. Mama, what are you looking forward to in heaven? Adore him. You have nothing getting away. Gary, how about you, man? No more sin. You and I will never be able to get in trouble again. <laughs> yeah. Ashley, how about you? Peace. Anyone else? What else? Who else? No more pain. Yeah. No more pain. Anyone else? What are you looking forward to when you get to heaven? Constant praise and worship. And it's not forced. It's not, dude, you can't help. You can't keep your mouth shut. It's like, oh, dude, hallelujah, yeah. You know, I mean, every time you turn around, there's something awesome going on. Can you imagine being eternally stoked? <laughs> Can you guys, you guys have been surfing your brains out. And, and when you get that good wave, you're stoked, right? Can you imagine being eternally stoked? Forever, you're stoked every moment of every day. That's what we're talking. And so he says, we look back to what he's done for us, but we look forward to him coming again. Hey, would you just kind of take a moment and just pray for a second? Just say, God, Holy Spirit, why should I be grateful for you coming back? What am I looking most forward to in heaven? God, show me. Cool, look up here. Anybody have something cool? I'm not going to ask you to say what it was unless you want to, but anybody have God show you something cool? Anyone? Maybe you should. No. <laughs> yeah. If you will, and you spend some time, what if when you got up in the morning, how many of y'all ever lay there in la-la land, and you lay there and think about all the things you got to do during the day? You try to, like, worry about, oh, God, I'm going to have to. What if you spent la-la land looking forward to being with him? Hey, Holy Spirit, why should I be grateful that I'm going to live in heaven forever with you? Ask, ask those questions. Look back. Look forward. Make La La Land worth more. So next, so we look back. We look forward. But now which way do we look? We look which way? Okay, so here's the deal. If you're born again, then you have an eternal home in heaven. It's already a done deal. And if it was all, if there wasn't nothing for you to do, you know, anything for you to do, he could have taken you, he could have taken you the moment he saved you, but he's got something for you to do. And what it is, is to represent him. And so that's why he's now telling the Corinthians, what I want you to do to be able to represent me, I want you to look back to see how awesome it is that you're saved. So you're grateful. I want you to look forward to what you're going to experience because that's all a done deal. But I've got something for you to do, but to do, be able to do it, I want you to look in now. I need, you to, I need you to straighten some things out. I need you to fix some things up. 
And I'm not doing this as judgment for your salvation. I'm doing this as a loving parent to a child who wants to represent me better. And so we're supposed to look in to judge ourselves so no one else has to. He said, so anyone who eats or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily, and what that unworthily means, if you just do it flippantly, you're just doing the Lord's Supper and you're just like, yeah, okay, well, God said to do it, so here it is, you know, we're done. And you don't really do it for the purpose in which it was designed. He said, there's problems with that. He said, you know, it doesn't have to be like this somber, you know, whatever. In fact, dude, I don't know about you, but I get pretty excited when I look back to what he did for me. I get pretty excited when I look forward to being with him. So it can be all of that, but it's got to be respectful. It's got to be done right. And, and so he says, you got to do it for the right reason. Don't just go through the motions because that, that's kind of a messed up thing. He said, if you do it in an unwor- unworthily, you are guilty of sinning against the body and blood of our Lord. In other words, you're taking what he did for you and you're not treating it with very much respect. It's like somebody has given you a phenomenal gift and you basically just throw it on the ground and spit on it and crunch it. You take something of great value and you make it worth nothing to you. You show disrespect to it, you know, in that whole thing. Tom gives me a brand new surfboard. And I'm not saying you're going to, but, you know, give me a brand new surfboard. And he was so excited, man. And for some reason, God laid on his heart and, and, and had it shaped just for a fat old guy like me, man, for a little four pairs way. Like, he's so excited and he gives it to me. And I take it and I'm like, yeah, this piece of junk, man. That's not what I want. How would you feel? <laughs> it's like, really, dude. I mean, what's the opposite of being grateful? <laughs> Ungrateful. And that's what he's really kind of saying here. When you do this, he said, I want you to do it for the right reason. I want you to be grateful that you can look back and see what he's done for you. I want you to look forward to being in heaven with him. But man, and so I want you to be great. Show me your gratefulness by, by getting things straight with me so you can represent me, which is why I've left you here. So he said, uh, anyone who eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. You're treating it with disrespect as though it's worth nothing. He said, that's why you should examine who? Your wife. Right? Is that what he said, Terry? That's why you are supposed to examine your wife and tell her all her faults and record them on, her, on your phone and then play them back to her until she gets it right. No? <laughs> no! In fact, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to examine who? Ourself. Man, how many of y'all are better at examining other people than you are yourself? How many of y'all admit, I'm pretty good at examining other people? I am a, oh, we call that, I'm a good judge of character. <laughs> right? <laughs> Dude, we're supposed to examine who? Ourselves. Look what he says. That's why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. I want you to look inside. If you eat the bread and drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you're eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. You know, like he's sending you to your room and saying, I want you to think about what you just did. <laughs> Anybody ever do that to their kids? Anybody ever had somebody, their parents say, well, no. How many of y'all remember when you were little and you got sent to your room and that was really punishment? You, you know what? If you can send a kid, now you got to drag a kid out of the room, right? <laughs> Sending them to their room is like, oh, yeah, that's where I want to be because everything I got there. But literally, have you ever had somebody send you off to yourself and think about what you're supposed to have been doing? What did you do? I want you to think about yourself. I want you to just kind of, and, and that's what he's kind of doing. He's saying, I want you to get alone. I want you to think about this. What if you come out and you're like, yeah, I got nothing wrong. Yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, you know, well, I was playing. I found new toys under the bed to play with. That's not what this is about. He says, 
you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. He said, I want you to get alone and I want you to straighten some things out. So if you do this and you don't do it for that purpose, he said, you're drinking judgment on yourself. I'm going to have to now put you even in more of a situation for you to think about yourself. Look what he goes on and says, that's why many of you Corinthians are weak and sick and some have even died because you're misrepresenting him. Now, I don't know if that's, I'm not saying everybody who dies suddenly is there because they've messed up or anything, but, but do you think God's taking it serious in telling us we're supposed to check ourselves out? Do you think God is serious when he says, hey, I want you to look back, I want you to look forward, but I want you to look in. Do you think he's serious about that? Yeah, absolutely he's serious about it. And, and there's consequences if we don't, but there's great value and benefit if we do. He said, but if we would examine ourselves, then we would be not be what? By who? Yeah. If you get the point God wants you to have, he wants to lovingly get it to you. But, but Chrissy, if you don't get the point, if you don't want to get the point, does God have a way of communicating to you even when you don't want to hear? Yeah. Yeah. And it's better to hear the first time. It's better to hear the first way. So he's saying, look, man, I want you to look back. And be grateful for everything I've done for you. And we look forward and be so stoked that you're going to be in perfection with me forever. But while you're here, I want you to look in. Is, is looking in something we like to do? You know? No. How many of y'all love looking at yourself in a mirror from every angle? Those of you who are over 40. I'm just saying, <laughs> Nate's like, well, yeah, I kind of, you know, like, you know. Dude, I did too when I was your age, man. But... You know, I just don't look at this angle anymore. I only look at this one, <laughs> but, you know. Literally, we don't like, we overestimate how good we are. We underestimate how bad we are so often. And, and God forces us and says, I, I want you to check yourself out. And I'm going to help you. I'm going to hold the mirror up at all angles. And when you see something I, I, and you, and you want to fix it, I'll fix it for you. I'm not telling you to fix it. I'll help you fix it. And I'll straighten it out. So if we would examine ourselves, we wouldn't have to be judged by God in this way. So we're supposed to look back. We're supposed to look forward. We're supposed to look in and examine ourselves. How many of y'all think that if you ask the Holy Spirit to show you one thing about yourself that could be better? How many of y'all think he could give you something? Yeah. How many of y'all are grateful that he doesn't just dump the whole bucket load on you? <laughs> How many of y'all know you got a whole bucket load of stuff that could be fixed and, he doesn't, and you're grateful he doesn't just dump the whole garbage can on you? Yeah. But in his loving kindness, he says, hey, here's what I want to work on now. And I want to help you. And, I want to, uh, and, and when we do become more like him, is it not for our good as well as his glory? Hey, so how about try that right now? Would you right now just uh, close your eyes, just kind of... Get alone with him and say, Holy Spirit, is there anything that you'd like me to fix? <laughs> That's a loaded question, but go ahead. Would you look up here? How many of y'all would say God said, nope, I checked you out and you are perfect. There's absolutely nothing wrong, dude. You just start pointing at, uh, how many of y'all would say that? Anybody say that? Because <laughs> you got a lion problem to work on. <laughs> but I'm just, but, but literally, I, I mean, again, 
he's not trying to beat us down. He's trying to make us better. It's good for us to be more like him. It's good to, to, to grow more like him and become more like him. And that's what he wants us to do. So how many of y'all think you could do this at your home so far? Chris, y'all think you all can do this, pull this off? If you look back, look forward, you think you can look in? All right, and if they don't, you'll help them look in, right? No, that's not your job. Your job is only to look into you. Yeah, and if they don't have anything, they don't have anything. If you don't have anything, you don't have anything, you know? But you got to ask, you got to see. How many of y'all think you could, uh, Tom, you think you got to pull this off at home? Lord's Supper at home? Would you like to do that at home? Would it be a cool thing to do one day? Yeah. So again, don't think that it's, it's a really weird thing. I mean, just give it a shot. Tom, you guys think you, Dustin, and Vicky might be able to pull this off? Yeah. Man, it might be one of the most intimate things you and your family have ever done. And so you go back, look forward, look in. But look at this, the whole purpose. We look back and get stoked about what he did for us. It made you grateful. We look forward to being in heaven with him and look forward to just the perfection, the peace, the everything that's there. It's a done deal. So he wants us to look in to kind of straighten ourselves out so we can represent him better and get our priorities right to let everybody know that so that we can then look around and help others escape this eternal judgment. And look what he says. Yet when we are judged by the Lord, we're being disciplined. How many of y'all love discipline? <laughs> or I didn't say discipline, but being disciplined. <laughs> Thank you, I'll take another. Thank you, I'll take... No, we don't like it when we're disciplined, but it's good for us. In fact, the word disciple... Hey, Steve, the word disciple, what word does that have in it? Discipline. It requires discipline to be a disciple in all of this. So he says we're being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So who's being condemned? The world's being condemned. You, does anybody know anybody in this world that's being condemned? Anybody that doesn't have Christ? It, it, how far do we have to look outside of our, even our own home? How far? And how, do, sometimes we don't have to look outside our home. But how many of you know there's people where you work? There's people in your neighborhood. There's people at Walmart. How many of y'all know there's people that are being condemned? People in Washington. People all over the place. And so that's why we need to look more like him so we can represent him. But the only thing that, one of the things that motivates us to do that is when we look back and we look forward and we're really stoked about life that way. So again, I know this is kind of different. Um, I got to tell you, God gave me this about four or five hours ago. I've preached this a million different times, but honestly, I'm not doing this so that we're going to have the Lord's Supper, not trying to teach you anything new. But really what God wants me to do is encourage you to have this at your house to have this in your neighborhood, to have this with your circle of friends, to do this yourself when you wake up in the morning. How hard would it be when you wake up in the morning, Hunter? How, how hard would it be to look back and be, look forward and look in and look around? How hard would that be? Would that make a better, would that, would that be a great way to start the day? Yeah, I think it would be. And so this is something he wants us to do on a regular basis. But again, so specifically what he's given me for you guys is that he wants you guys to do this at your house with whoever you're supposed to have with you in it. Again, go buy some juice, go buy some bread, but have it. It's communion with God. And I think it'd be one of the most intimate things your family can do. So last but not least, here we go. Now that you guys all know it again, help me out with worship aerobics one more time and we're done. All right. I know it's not been the most exciting, most whatever, but dude, this is what... 
this is, this is what God gave me to give you guys. You got to do with what you're supposed to do with it. All right, so which way are we going to look first? Everybody help me out. Back, we're going to look. We're going to look. And we're going to look around. All right, good. You got it? Ken? Ken Kloss, help me out. And around. Good. Do you think y'all could do this at your house? Yeah. Do you think you actually, do you think you got some friends that maybe would want to do it with you guys? Jack, you guys, if they don't have any friends, you want to be their friends and do it? No, I already know y'all are friends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they are. But man, it's a cool thing. So I want to encourage you guys to do this. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us. And um, Father, I'm, I'm grateful that um, you gave me clear direction. This is what we're supposed to do today. And um, Father, I, I pray that I communicated this well on your behalf. Father, I pray that um, even when we're thinking about the wrong things, we could turn that around by thinking about the right thing, which is looking back and get our mind thinking about all the things you've done for us, looking forward to being in heaven. And Father, we know the most awesome thing about that is, is that we're going to be with you. We can't even imagine. Would you just all through the day today give us glimpses of what it's going to be like to be with you forever. And Father, um, after we get really stoked about looking back and looking forward, um, and we realize what we truly have for eternity, which is way longer than we're ever going to be on this earth, Father, I pray that we would look in and um, be the ambassadors you called us to be. Pray, Father, that we would represent you the way you want to be represented, that we would not get caught up in the things of this world, but we would really stay focused on the one job you've given us, and that is making disciples, helping others see life from your perspective. It's kind of a crazy time to do that, Father, but such a perfect time. So help us be focused on that. And um, so help us never to be kind of just inward, just looking at ourselves, but help us to look at a world out there and realize that every single person we meet is someone that's going to spend eternity somewhere. And although we can't save them, that's your job. We can certainly be the mouthpiece and we can certainly be the lifestyle that might be used by you to lead them to you. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name.